I'm Emma Katz, and this is Pandemic Sexuality, a podcast about navigating sexuality during COVID-19. This season, we're learning from people whose lives were affected by the AIDS epidemic about how to maintain intimacy and connection during a plague. I'm on dating sites and I'm seeing people, but outside and talking to them on the phone. The good news is you get to know them real well and you're not jumping into bed with them. But the bad news is that you feel like you can only go so far and our worlds are so small. All of our worlds have become so small. My guest today is Dudley Wilson. In 1979, Dudley was living in Washington, D.C. He had just come out as gay after a brief marriage to a woman. DuPont Circle was, at the time, the gay ghetto in Washington, D.C. And 79 was 10 years after Stonewall. And the gay presence was very obvious. And while I was going to school, I had an opportunity at night and on the weekends, because I wasn't working, to partake in gay life. And it was like a gay adolescence. There was something that probably a lot of people, straight people, go through uh, when they're in their teens and early 20s. And what I found is that if you miss something like that, you have to go back and revisit it. Just a few years into his gay adolescence, Dudley started to hear the first rumors about the disease we now know as HIV. We were getting word through the media and word from friends of mine who went to New York a lot, went to Manhattan a lot, that there was this strange disease that gay men seemed to be susceptible to. We didn't know exactly what made this thing be passed from one gay male to the other. And we knew that it was an immune system problem. We thought that maybe it was recreational drugs that uh, lowered our immune systems that made us vulnerable to this. We thought that it was something about our past lifestyle. It certainly was attributed to the numbers of sexual partners we had. But it was something that you really kind of talked about in hushed tones. During this time, also, we were getting more and more education in the gay community through symposiums and whatnot about what to expect, because they told us that it would eventually be in Washington. It was in Washington, but it would show itself. And um, it didn't stop me completely from having sex with men, but I slowed down. In 1983, Dudley's friend Donald died, his first close friend to succumb to AIDS. It was the start of a wave of deaths and a dramatic shift in the lifestyle of Dudley's community. It also changed our social structure. When I first came out, I mean, we were partying. We were partying in bars. I was going to New York to... The, the dance palaces in New York and dancing from midnight until seven o'clock in the morning and then having breakfast and going out to a morning dance party and then getting on a train and coming back to Washington. And, and that came to an abrupt halt, or it, it did for me. Uh, it wasn't fun to go to these places anymore because part of the fun of it was, and when you were single, was that you could possibly meet your next boyfriend, even if it was for the night. The expansive times of partying and meeting new people ended. Life became all about survival. 
Our circles became smaller, but our groups became more intimate. At the same time, you really saw the caretakers. We knew that we were really in this to take care of one another. And so when your friends got sick, you did what needed to be done. You bought groceries for them. You went to see them in the hospital. You contacted their families. Um, oh my gosh, and you went to their funerals. By 1984, W was attending multiple funerals each month. He says he stopped counting after 80. His world was shrinking, not just metaphorically in terms of life's possibilities, but also practically as more and more people died around him. On top of that, he was worried about his own health, but delayed getting tested for HIV until 1987 for fear of losing his health insurance, a very real possibility at that time. I had a very strong suspicion that I was probably HIV positive because of the men that I slept with because they were, they were dead. It was damn horrible because not only were you losing your friends, but you felt like the shoe was going to drop at any moment. And even though I never got sick, I always felt healthy. I always carried with me the thought that maybe I would start uh, exhibiting symptoms in a month, in a week, in a day. You always felt until the cocktail was developed that you were next. And as people died, you felt like you were getting closer and closer to the edge of the precipice. Dudley knew that he had to find a way to cope with this constant state of fear and uncertainty. In an attempt to keep his body and mind healthy, he leaned into meditation, which he found not only helped him, but was a way to give something back to his community. I started a, a meditation group of maybe, oh, I think probably maybe about 20 men that were HIV infected. And we met once a week at DuPont Circle and spent an hour together. And I walked them through meditations and affirmations, but I also facilitated them being able to talk about their fears. I mean, because we were all scared to death. Um, and some people could talk about it and some people couldn't. So that was one thing that I did to be proactive, not only for myself, but for other members of the community. Dudley was also fortunate in that he had his late husband, James, who loved and supported him throughout the worst years of the epidemic. When I asked Dudley what strategies he used to keep intimacy alive during this time in his life, he immediately credited James with being there for him. James and I had a monogamous relationship so there was safe sex there. So I knew that there was no possibility that he would become infected. He had been with Donald and had not become infected. So he was not concerned about that. And by then we knew that um, we knew what to do or what not to do to make sure that he was not at risk. And the great thing about him was that even having experienced Donald's death and knowing that Donald died of AIDS and we were together when I was diagnosed uh, he stood by me. He, he did not walk away. He didn't freak out. And I think back on it over the years, and I think what an amazing person he was not to have run away because he knew what might be in store for both of us. And Donald's death was so recent that I wouldn't have blamed him if he had, had said, I, I can't do this. James passed away in 2016, leaving Dudley single for the first time in decades. While this has been especially challenging during the past year, 
the memory of his relationship with James has provided some perspective on making connections during COVID-19. I was very recently widowed when this happened. James has only been dead maybe four years, and the first two years were grief. And I think I reverted back to a lot of that teenager in the candy store, even though I was in my late 60s, early 70s. And I think that this has shown me and does show me how important it is that the friendship in the relationship be the first thing and that sex not be the first thing. And in the gay community, so many of us, it was have sex first, oh, and then we'll become friends, and then maybe we become boyfriends. That's backwards. I know it's always been backwards. And having known James several years before we got together, proved that to me. Practicing gratitude is another skill that Dudley has drawn on this past year. Most of our problems are minuscule when you think about it in relationship to what we've been experiencing right now. So it puts everything into perspective. I think if you look at your life and the difficulties that you have in your life, they really are minimal compared to the big picture and what we've experienced and the big things of losing people in our lives. I learned to live in the moment in the HIV epidemic and I learned to appreciate the fact that I was alive and would focus only on today. And I'm doing the same thing or trying to use the same tools that I developed during the HIV epidemic to navigate this. The only difference is I don't have, I don't have James. James was there and we were there for each other. As the world opens up again and our lives grow bigger with possibility once more, I wondered how Dudley experienced the reopening of his own life in the mid-90s when his HIV diagnosis was no longer a death sentence. I think it was subconsciously and then brought to my conscious level that, oh my God, I'm going to live. And that's when I started looking ahead and wanting to make plans. Because when you when you have this holding over your head this this possibility of death from a disease you don't make plans it really did allow us to have some adventures that we did not even entertain before my doctor looked at me and said you're going to die of something else and then it was like oh shit now what do i do <laughs> i i my mid 40s, what do I do? Which was great, it is, I mean, it was wonderful, but there was a whole new set of things that you had to consider and see whether you had the guts to to do them. It turned out that once they could stop living in fear, Dudley and James did have the guts to realize their dreams. For them, that meant settling in Hawaii, where they lived from 2004 until James's death in 2016. I wanted to have, you know, what everybody else wanted to have, the 2.3 children with the picket fence and the station wagon. Now it sounds boring as hell. But at the time, it was, you know, that's what you wanted in the 70s, or that's what you thought you wanted. 
as it turned out, I didn't have the 2.3 children, but I had the three Scotties, and I did live in a house with a fence around it. I had the best, and I had exactly what I wanted. I want to thank Dudley so much for sharing his story with me this week. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back soon with more stories of pandemic sexuality. See you then. Thank you.